This is the Book Riot Podcast, a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. This is episode 147. We're recording on Thursday, March 3rd. I'm Jeff O'Neill. I'm here with Amanda Nelson, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Rebecca is on her New Zealand sojourn. She comes back sometime in August. Is that right? Is that when she's back? I don't back? think she's coming back. She's not no. coming back. It's a long flight. You know, it's easier just to live here now. Yeah. Than to yeah. get on the flight back. Um, welcome back to the show, Amanda. You were on Thank recently, you. right? Weren't you just on? Yeah. A couple of weeks ago? No. Well, Didn't yeah, we just have you, you here? Weren't you, weren't you just here? <laughs> Why are you back already? <laughs> are you back already? Um, we're in mid-February, early March. It's spring. Spring is springing. Is it warm there in Virginia? Is it getting it warm? It is 40 degrees. Which oh, is really? Not That's chilly. No, I don't like it. I, I'm still getting used to the differences of Portland than the East Coast. And East Coast weather is more like Midwest weather was where I grew up. There were flowers blooming here like February 10th. What? There, there are flowers all over the place here. Is it warm? Well, it's like 55 and partly cloudy, like every day in weird. March and February here. Yeah, which is weird. Very rainy December, but like the fl- the flowers are like, one day I came outside and the flowers had bloomed and I hit was such a wave of aroma. I thought someone had dropped a perfume bottle. Like that was more likely to me than the flowers being uh, <laughs> in bloom on February 7th, that yeah, someone had dropped like Chanel just... number five on the steps. <laughs> in my head where you live, it's just constantly like London. Yeah. Dank and it's rainy. it's kind of, it's kind of like that except we get a little more sun breaks and it's not as it's it's warmer it's just a little bit warmer all the time and the trees are so much bigger like these huge like pine trees it's it's hard to I still like I'll just be driving along and people have like these hundred foot uh, evergreens in their yard and it's just like no big deal I'm like that oh. should be an end that's an end that I'm looking at right here <laughs> you have moved to the Cretaceous period yeah seriously right in everything like. Even bare rock grows like moss on it in a day. Like it just, that's how verdant, like sort of aggressively verdant the, the Northwest uh, You know what is. that sounds like? That's, uh, did you read the Jeff Vandermeer? <laughs> yes. yes. Area X is definitely uh, aggressively Portland. verdant. Yeah. Yep. Um, I, I like it, but it does take some getting used to. I don't know why we're talking about this, but here, <laughs> it's, it's day quill. It's a day quill day. Here, okay, we got lots of stories to talk about. Before we get into it, we got to talk about our first sponsor, Audible is back. And, and you know, you know, you know the things to know about Audible. But another thing to know is that they commissioned some of their own audiobooks. And one that's recent that they thought you might like to know about, and frankly, I think it's interesting too, is they've got a new um, recording. Is that what we say? An audiobook recording? A new whatever? Narration? Yeah, narration of Alice in Wonderland um, by Lewis Carroll, uh, recorded by Scarlett Johansson. Um, and I, I, I don't want to get myself into trouble here, but mm-hmm. she has an excellent narration voice. Let's put it that way. Um, and you know, <laughs> you know the story. You know the story. She grows weary of her own storybook, one without pictures or conversations, and you know follows the hasty hare underground. I was, I was wondering when I saw who the sponsor was today, how many of people ha- – I mean, is Alice in Wonderland one of those stories that people know because of the cartoons and sort of the, the larger, I don't know, elements? or? Or have they actually read it? Have you read Alice's I, Adventures in Wonderland yourself? I have. Yeah, you have. I have um, too. But are we in the minority, even among book people, or have book even book people know this? No, I think you're right. I think it's kind of like Peter Pan. Like everyone yeah. has seen it, and it's so ingrained in pop culture. It's like almost Jungian at this point that everyone just is the archetype that everyone knows. But I don't know if any. I don't know anyone other than myself actually who's read it. Yeah, I don't. I don't story. really either. And it's it's super weird. 
Like it's mm-hmm. super interesting <laughs> and weird. And even the Disney cartoon, which is the first, you know, that's the first thing I saw when I was a kid, is also for Disney super weird and creepy. Like yes. it's very strange. And like I remember and still there's scenes where there's like this one song about the the flowers and they're talking around. It's very dark and creepy. And the Cheshire cat is weird. It's like, eh, I don't really, I don't really like that. Um, <laughs> I've, as I've gotten older, I've sort of appreciate the oddness of it a little bit more. Another thing about this particular narration is that, um, Scarlett's sister, Vanessa is also an actor, uh, and voice actor, excuse me. Um, and she directed this particular production. So they worked together, um, to make it, uh, to make it interesting. So if you're looking for something, especially with your family might be particularly good. Um, you can find it on audible.com, uh, and you know, search for Alice's Inventions in Wonderland. You'll find it right there. And it, it start. It came out February twenty third, so it's out now. So check out the audible dot com. You can go see what's going on there. Also, if you haven't signed up for Audible, you can get a free trial. AudiblePodcast.com dot com slash bookwrite will give you a free thirty day trial. We've done all the talking points about Audible before, so this is another way of trying something out. Very interesting. It's a public domain work, so you know they can have a shot at it, but they put it through the highest quality production values on it. So the best, they want to put forward the best of what audiobooks can be at audible.com. Thanks so much for their continued sponsorship of the show. Okay. This first story we almost cut. We we just almost cut this agenda. (laughs) Um, But we thought, and the reasons we thought we might cut it turned out to be the reasons we thought we should, we should keep it in here. Do you want to give us the, give us the, the, the the skinny of what this story is? Okay. So the headline says that Social activities such as book clubs are just as important as working out and staying fit and can actually help you live longer. Right. So when I but when I first saw this making the rounds on Twitter, people were tweeting book clubs make you live longer mm-hmm. was the thing that but that is not that. Well, no. it's a well, right, whatever that is, sort, sort of. of maybe. So mm-hmm. why why is it a sort of maybe? Because it's it's being social, taking right. part in social activities with other human beings, getting out of your house and talking, mm-hmm. appears to be as important to your health when you're older yes. as exercising. So if you're a retired person, the study was looking at you know people who have retired or of that age who are over 50 um, and have been retired for at least, at least six years. And they found this, I guess it's correlation. Um, yeah, it's got to be correlation. I don't think. Yeah, that people that. who were more social were living longer lives. And then I, I guess well maybe it's causality. I mean I guess that we're not sure. It could it could be either. It could be that really if you just do go, like mm-hmm. if you do it a controlled experiment, you know, and you send some people to social groups and some to others, that the ones that went to social groups would live longer. That would suggest causality. I wonder though if it's correlation. Are the kinds of people more likely to go socialize, likely to live longer? Right. Well, I, mean, I think that like. You're not going to go socialize if you don't feel well. You're not going to go socialize yeah, if you're depressed. Yeah, that's, an, not, that's you know, what I'm saying. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Like if you, you know, have a speech problem or uh, some sort of uh, neurological impairment or mobility impairment or you don't have transportation, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard to get out. You live in an isolated area, you know, um, where I grew up. One, one problem, you know, I, I did some volunteering going, you know, kind of a Meals on Wheels thing, but there'd be older people that lived way out in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very hard to get anywhere. Uh, not only was it difficult to, to get anywhere, but the, the density of other old people or other people just in general to hang out with was difficult. So you're right. I think that's a that's a situation to think about. I, I guess the takeaway might be it says from book clubs to ch- book clubs to church groups. Like weirdly, mm-hmm. that's the ends of the extreme. It's either you know on one end you have book clubs, on the other end you have church groups. Church groups. Uh, presumably, if you got together, <laughs> do you live forever? 
if you have yeah a i think book. so well that's what the bible says um <laughs> Pretty in sure there. In there. It's pretty in, there, in, the, in one of the, you know, one of those um, demand, hard ones to read in the Old Testament, one of those books. Um, but, pr- you know, but presumably you could socialize in about sort of bad things and live longer, right? Like you could get together with your... Like go to a bar? Well, not just that, but you could get together to your, I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure. It, 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 the, the, the content like of the socializing doesn't really matter. Or at least mm-hmm. it's not clear here that it does. It's just that you get out and socialize. Um, but on the other hand, if you're looking for a reason to motivate yourself as you get older, and this is something, frankly, I'll keep in mind as I get older because, and I, I'm, I don't want to speak for you, but you might be a similar way, where getting out and socializing with other people just for the sake of it is not something we may necessarily put on pants for if we can avoid it. <laughs> no. um, but I like, I like living. I'm a huge fan of it. And I'd like to do it longer and healthier if I can. Um, so maybe I will finally get into a, a book group. Well, I'm doing the read harder, which I enjoy. Um, but you know, as I get older to keep, keep in mind, I should get out there. I mean, that's a, is that a fair takeaway? That at least, at least that to get out a little bit, you know, socialize, it's good for you that we can take that away. The book clubs here aren't magic. No, it has nothing to do with reading yes. or talking to people about reading. It's getting out of your house, moving your body yeah. and Using go, your brain to talk to people. Go volunteer. Um, yeah. You know, I think this is one thing that's going to happen for, I'm going to um, put lump you in with my generation. I'm, I don't mean to age you. Um, <laughs> I think we're going we're gonna to work in part-time freelance, you know, gigs longer too. I wonder if that has a similar effect. You know, you're working with people either virtually mm. or not. Um, you know, my, my, my parents' generations who are, have been retired for a while, beginning to retire, a lot of them find they get something out of, staying in the workforce in some um, capacity, you know, a few hours a week. Uh, it's very helpful. Um, volunteering also very good. So that's one thing. If you've seen this, if you're, follow, if you're in the bookish internet, which if you're listening to the show, you probably are, you've seen this headline. And we just, I guess we want to be the wet blanket for you and mm-hmm. say, book clubs aren't magic. Let's all calm down. It's one of many things you can do, but you can do things. So anyway, if you're, if you're going to try to email it to your grandma to say, hey, see, you should join book club. And she says, but I go to church every week. You have to say, well played, Grandma. <laughs> well played, Grandma. Well played, yes. Grandma. Okay, so there's that story. Um, interesting in its own way, but more more of a um, yes, but. Mm-hmm. Open ebooks. Now, this I'm super interested in. And yeah. I didn't know much about it until this week. And apparently it's been a project in the works for a while. Um, it was announced uh, April 30th of last year as an issue they were going to work on. And now you can sign up for it. And, and basically, what is is um, it's a program to make ebooks available to low income families, children and youth from low income families, especially. Um, I'm a little confused, to be honest, how exactly it works. My understanding is the Digital Public Library of America first book in New York Public Library content support from Baker and Taylor, which is digital books distributor, create an app called Open Ebooks. And the publishers and distributors provide the content, and then libraries sort of created the app and are providing the infrastructure. Um, financial support from other nonprofit groups, the Alfred Peace Loan Foundation, and the, the federal government to make it possible. So there's a lot of cooks in this particular kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, but children from low income families can access these ebooks, which include some of the most popular works of the present and past, 
Using the Open eBooks app and read as many as they like without incurring any costs. There are any holds or you know any you've checked them out for seven days. You have to return them. The goal of the Open eBooks initiative is to encourage a love of reading and serve as a gateway to children reading even more often, whether in school, at libraries, or through other eBook reading apps. Um, you can go. I guess if you could search search for Open eBooks, you can find it. Um, librarians coordinated by the Digital Public Library of America will curate the collection to ensure a diverse, compelling, and appropriately age-targeted set of thousands of titles, um, something for every child to learn from, read, and enjoy. I'm just reading the marketing copy. If you can't tell, that's my marketing copy (laughs) voice. Why e-books, some might ask? I think because you can. Yeah. Right? (laughs) Um, Let's see. Cheaper? Anything else to know? Yeah, right. You don't have to maintain the physical books. They're basically unlimited supply. You know, if uh, a thousand kids want to read, oh, Diary of a Wimpy Kid. I'm, I don't mm-hmm. know if that's available or not. They don't have to sort of uh, ration the copies. Um, the app will be available to you. Low-income youth have an adult person registered with first book. So I don't exactly know what that means, um, how you are eligible. So if you're interested for you um, or someone you know, you're going to want to find out what the eligibility requirements are. Some of the publishers who have committed to providing content, Bloomsbury, Candlewick, Cricket Media. I want to shout these people out for a good job. So that's Candlewick why I'm doing is this. so good. They are so good. Candlewick is so good. Hachette, HarperCollins, Lee and Lowe, so good. Macmillan, National, yeah. Ge- National Geographic, hey. Penguin Random House, Simon & Schuster. So one, two, three, four. All five of the big five um, are on board. Um, and then uh, one name I'm sort of surprised not to see, and I don't mean to shame them into it. I, th- I'm sure it has their own thing. I'm surprised a little bit that Scholastic isn't here. Yeah. Um, since they're the, I, I mean, again, I know I was saying on Twitter the other day, I, I have a hard time keeping imprints and publishers separate and um, put in the right spots. But that's sort of me when I think of children's books, I think Scholastic. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Um, credentials for open books through first book. I'm going to put a link to this story in the show notes and you can find it there. But if you do, a Go- again, if you do a Google search for open ebooks and first book, you can find it. You know, I had my first, my, my first reaction to this was like, but poor kids don't have tablets sure. you know, or, or smartphones, but I yes. feel like that's increasingly becoming false. Yeah. And of course, first book would know better than I do about what kind of technology mm-hmm. <laughs> poor kids have access to. But I think that like a lot of people are going to have that reaction to something like this. Well, if you can afford a tablet, but but that's not no, it's not like that anymore. No, it's not. Um, and they're a so recent, cheap. And a recent Pew Internet survey showed that more than half of those earning less than thirty thousand per year have a smartphone capable of reading an ebook, and more than a quarter have tablets. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, it's it's almost like. It's a requirement for modern living. I think I was just going to say the exactly. I think you're completely right. Um, if not a requirement, it's certainly super helpful um, in all in all ranges of life. And I think you know the cost of a smartphone plus a data plan is pretty expensive. Um, but I think it's one of those things that people who who don't have a lot will shell out for because they re- recognize the utility of it. Both communication with with people they know access to information it yeah. might be a replacement for a computer in the home frankly to have a, a capable smartphone or tablet rather than having a big desktop or laptop you have a tablet um, where you can do a lot of the things you might do at home um, with a tablet anyway and, and, and internet being more accessible in more places even if you don't have internet at home um, you can connect it via wi-fi at a library or mcdonald's is free famously or starbucks or any number of places so, you know, it's not a print book, but, you know, it's, I think it's, this is part of the larger conversation we've been having on the show and has been having on the bookish internet about print and digital not being sort of in competition with each other, but it's complements to each other. 
And ebooks can do some things that print books can't, and vice versa. One thing that ebooks can do in a situation like this is provide virtually unlimited supply. Um, and when you're trying to service um, a program like this, where you're not really looking to get a return on the quote unquote investment, um, then I think publishers are willing to, to sort of mobilize the infinite supply of ebooks in the furtherance of this particular project. Um, now, when it comes to something like the regular library with print books, they have been reticent. You know, they, they, they don't want to make ebooks ubiquitous to check out with no scarcity at all. Um, and I, it's and annoying. <laughs> it's annoying. It's annoying. And I, I don't know the math, and I'm sure they have the reasons because everybody does. But in this particular, they're not making everything available. Um, and it looks like it's going to be on a rotating basis. You know, I don't know how many... I don't know how many titles are going to be. Um, Bloomsbury, for example, but we can get a ballpark idea. Bloomsbury is providing 1,000. Uh, Lee and Lowe is providing 700 titles. Macmillan, 2,500. Simon & Schuster, 3,000. So you're looking at the tens of thousands of titles available through um, the Open eBooks initiative. I think it's a wonderful program, to be honest. I, I really do. And I understand and I sympathize and even would advocate on my own for making sure that print books aren't left behind when we start thinking about programs um, to get books into kids' hands. But I don't think that's really happening yet. Um, I think a lot of people are still concerned about that. Uh, Dolly Parton is, as we know. We've talked about that before. Her program has given 75 million books away to kids, something like that. This is not a government program. It's a partnership between three existing nonprofits with support of the White House, um, but it's not getting, I, I, I should correct that, it's not getting federal federal money available on iOS and Android um, to start. For example, in, in the future, there will be a web-optimized one and one for Nook. So those aren't yet. So web-optimized, I presume, means you can read on your laptop or computer through a browser. So there we go. What else to say about that? Anything? Mm-mm. Yeah. If any of you try this, Yay, first book. <laughs> yeah, yay. If any of you try this, I, I would like to get some feedback from readers if they know people that have tried it or if they've tried it themselves. I don't know. I'm, I'll try the sign-up process, though. I don't think it's meant for, for, for my particular demographic, and I don't want to um, use resources if they're not for me. But I'd like to see how it works just to be able to talk about it more. Yeah, I think you have to get an access code. For yeah, and so I don't know how they verifi- verify low income. Maybe they're not going to worry about it too much, like if you say you're low, low income. I mean, probably you're telling the truth. Yeah. Um, so anyway, all right, there's that. Open eBooks, good job, first book. It looks like they were kind of the linchpin um, that brought a lot of, of these initiatives together. I love them so much. They, there was somebody from first book on my uh, diversity panel at Book Riot mm. Live. And she, I loved having somebody there, somebody there to talk about poverty because that's not something we really talk nope. about in the greater dis, you know, diversity inclusion yeah. discussion. And I mean, they're doing so much good stuff. They are. First book. And there's and, a lot to be done, and they're doing a lot of yeah. it. Um, okay. Um, maybe someday some of these readers who are reading on First Book will grow up to sort of care about the big books of spring. Maybe not. <laughs> we shall see. Um, but uh, since Shinsky's away, and she gets, a, she gets her fill of new book talk over yes. on the, the new book show, um, but we thought we would uh, take a look and t- talk about some of the books we're looking forward to reading this spring. I haven't read any of these. I don't read ahead of time. Sometimes you do. Is that, I, do, you, do you read ahead of pub date these days? I usually do, but this year I've been just Busy. reading the Best yeah. Translated Book Awards. Oh, right, yes. Judging. Do you want so to talk about that? 
Uh, sure. <laughs> yeah, shout it out. And well, when, once there's a winner and everything announced, but tell people what you're oh, doing. Oh, yeah. Well, um, I'm a judge for this year's Best Translated Book Award, which is judging the every book that was published in translation in uh, English in 2015. So there were over 400. Um, so that's what I've been reading for about a year. Is can you talk the, about the structure? Like, do you have to look at them all or they get split up between the judges or, or can you not say? They get split up between, the, I think there, I don't remember how many judges there are. There are eight or, there are a lot, whatever. Mm-hmm. There are a handful of judges and, and the books were all split up between us and the ones that were assigned to you, you had to read. So okay. I had about 120, I think, ish assigned just to me. Um, and then if a book is good enough for, you know, other judges to consider, then you, we had a big spreadsheet and we marked, we had our own Slack channel. I made them set up a Slack channel so we wouldn't have to email back mm-hmm. and forth. Um, so we had Slack and, you know, if you read, if you read a book that was assigned to you that you think is worth other people taking a look, then you let them know. So at the end of the day, I have no idea how many books I'll have read for this. It won't be all 400 because, you know, if something was horrible, and a, a judge could eliminate it without the other ones having to look at it. So, um, so that's what I've been reading. Yeah, the short list is going to come out. Um, I think this month at the end. Oh, of is March. that right? Yeah, I mean the long list. The long list will come out this month, and then the short list shortly after that. Um, and then we announce at BEA the winner. So ah, okay, good. Well, we'll probably talk about this on, that on the show at some point once announced. We'll be sure to take a look at there. So this is the best book of spring. Um, it's from Google Play, and one of the reasons I was paying attention to this is um, Kevin Wynn, who. Let's see. He's been at Amazon as in the book section. He's written for Grantland. He was at Oyster. And when Oyster got acquired by Google, um, he went over there to work on editorial books for them. This is his list. Um, oh, yeah. I know. Yeah. So that, that's why it particularly caught my eye among the sea of spring book lists out there. I was curious to see what he was picking. There are 30 of them here. Um, I'm just going to shout out a couple I'm particularly interested. There'll be a, there'll be a link in the show notes um, if you want to peruse them all. Um, some of these are out, some of them are coming out. So one I want to mention is, uh, my name is Lucy Barton by Elizabeth Strout. It's already out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like Elizabeth Strout. Olive Kittredge won the Pulitzer a few years ago. I can't remember. Was it Pulitzer? I think it was a Pulitzer, not the National Book Award. Yeah. yeah it was um, cool. and I, I really liked it. Very interesting. But also this book is selling for literary fiction. It is selling. Um, I think it's in, in print, it's already sold like 60 or 70,000 copies and it's only been out a few weeks, which for literary wow. fiction is a big number. Yes. Um, so chances are, if you read literary fiction, you're paying attention to that. I even saw it on the, it was on the, it was with all the Costco books when I was at Costco the other day. So you know it's broken through as a literary fiction title. One I'm looking forward to, particularly what's, um, what is not yours is not yours. Um, stories by Helen Oyeyemi, her new book. Um, I loved, and a lot of us at Book Riot loved Boy Snowbird that came out a few years ago. So good. This is short stories. Have you read, the, are you going to read this? I assume. I'm going to read it. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to read it too. Awesome cover. It's like fire shadow puppet hand wolf. <laughs> Um, it's sort of amazing. <laughs> right? That's what it is. It is. It's a fire shadow puppet hand wolf. Yeah. Yes. I think that might be our show title. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, I'll do two more, then you tell me which. Uh, Alexander Cheese, The Queen of the Night, which is already out, is on here. Um, I have that. I'm going to read in paper. I bought that in paper. Charles Duhigg, Smarter, Faster, Better. He wrote The Power of Habit, which I really like. That's a nonfiction one I'm looking forward to. Uh, yeah, those are my those are my few picks. Anything that I haven't mentioned that you want to shout out here? Um, yeah, the nest by yeah. uh, the the uh, Sweeney. That's wow, Sweeney. <laughs> Such a fancy name. Uh, Rebecca has read this and loved it. And I actually am going to read this because I'm subbing in for Rebecca on yes. um, all the books while she's gone, and I'm going to talk about that book. So I'm looking forward to reading that. It's a, you know about rich white people problems, which I'm always here for. Yes. I love books about rich white people and their problems. <laughs> the decline and fall of the rich white yes, person. The, yeah. the decline and fall of the trust fund baby. Yes, yes, yeah. 
a little sh- uh, Schadenfreude. Um, volume two of March comes yes. out. Yes. Which is a graphic novel about the civil rights movement written by John Lewis, who is a what, governor? Yep. Senator. Or okay. Senator, Senator, yeah, I think Senator. Okay, yeah, uh, who was a participant in the civil rights movement and has been writing these uh, graphic novels about it, which is awesome. Let's see, what else? Oh, there was one about, oh, Pandemic uh, mm. by Sonia Shaw, which is nonfiction about tracking pandemics and how people, how scientists and the medical community tracks like cholera breakouts and Ebola mm-hmm. breakouts and how they figure out the one, you know, like patient zero. I always wonder about that. Like, yeah. If, Hundreds of thousands of people have this disease. How do you find out that it came from like Joe Schmo who ate bad beef three weeks yeah. ago? Like, how did they figure that out? I can't even about? figure out which of my kids spilled the milk. And there's no. two of them. No. Yeah. I don't know. That, the same way. But they somehow track pandemics. So that sounds cool. I don't know if that's out yet, but I've been I've yeah. been hearing about that for a couple of months and I'm interested in I'm that. interested in that too. Um, a, cu- a couple that I actually don't know what they're about, but I've been hearing buzz about from the Book Riot Contributors Corps. Mm-hmm. Um, one is, uh, oh, I just lost it. The Portable Veblen. By Elizabeth McKenzie. Do you know what it's that's about? S- no, but it has a squirrel. It has a squirrel holding a thought balloon, um, <laughs> which is also an excellent show title. Um, and then The Passenger by Lisa Lutz, I'm hearing people talking about, which it looks like a thriller of some kind. I'm not sure. The, the, I, you now are um, as ignorant about these as I am because now you know the titles too. Um, <laughs> but I'll put the link in the show notes here. Um, a good list. And Nguyen reads a lot. He has access to books early. Um, has great taste. So that's that's a book list I was particularly interested in and talking about real quick. Hmm, where should we go from here? Oh, you. this was your story. This is a story you were most interested in. I, I mean, I dropped it in, but when you, when I said, what do you want to talk about? You're like, oh, I want to talk about this one. So, yeah, the middle grade thing. Yeah, middle grade books. Tell me about that. So this is a different article than the one that I saw, but... The, oh, it was? Okay, yeah. It's the same, but yeah. whatever. Um, so they're blaming it on Harry Potter, I guess. Well, but what's happening? What's happening? Over the last 40 years, middle grade novels have gotten 173% longer, <laughs> which is just bananas. <laughs> it's a rate of 80 pages per year. That is, that's what we call bloat. That yeah. is, I mean, that is crazy expensive. It's like the, the only thing growing faster than college expense is uh, middle grade novel. <laughs> like middle grade novels. Yes. They can't be. I mean, are they... I know that Harry Potter got longer. Every book got like 100 pages longer. Right. But by the end, I feel like after book three-ish, these are no longer middle grade novels. These are YA novels. Like once the characters are 13 and over, they... And you were, yeah. you know, having all of these dark, murderous things happen to them. They were... It was like solidly YA. So... I don't know. They call uh, middle grade basically they're they're acknowledging some fuzziness in the the range. Basically, common grade ranges. So there's middle grade, but there's sub ranges, and commonly they're broken down into three to five, four to seven, and five to eight, and though and then sometimes six to eight. And you can see there's overlap. And something a three a third grader is going to read is not something that an eighth grader is going to read. So it's you know like all these genre terms. There's a lot of blurriness, but just so you know what they're talking about, and they acknowledge the blurriness too. But some of these, I mean, 86, this is before Harry Potter. Yeah. Between 76 and 86, the average increase in page length is already 30 pages. 86 to 96 stayed flat. So there, like, so there's a, a first wave, the first decade of this was 76 to 86. And then 96 to 2006, that encompasses all the Harry Potter books, right? Yeah. Um, is another 37 pages. But then after Harry Potter, it's 115 pages over the next decade. <laughs> so there's, so I don't, I don't know how much of this you can and can't attribute to Harry Potter. I think obviously some of it you can, 
some of it is sort of the, the, the progeny of Harry Potter, like the books that yeah. came after. There was license to read long, to, to read and write long books. Well, and plus, once Harry Potter became so popular, middle grade and YA books became heavily yes. fantasy-based. And fantasy novels are yes. you know, typically long because you got to build that world, man. Mm-hmm. And they become trilogies and people want to live there, right? Um, When I linked to it in Critical Linking today or yesterday, I can't remember which day it was, this story, I sort of said, I'm not sure this is so much a story about middle grade getting longer so much as middle grade getting into fantasy. Yeah. Um, And fantasy being the longest of the genres, no? I mean, off the top of my head, it would be difficult to think of one that's... That, that's longer than um, fantasy. Presidential biographies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that is a genre. That's true. Presidential biographies would be one. Um, Robert Cairo books. I don't know if that's <laughs> the power broker alone is um, a monolith. Um, but that, but also, so Harry Potter was fan. It it was not because it's not that Harry Potter was long for because it was long. I think it's long because it's a fantasy story, and as you said, fantasy stories require a lot of world building. Um, and p- then once people are into the world, they like to stay there. Um, you know, that, that's that's interesting. Um, I don't know if there's any larger meta point to make about this. Like, kids will read a long book. Okay. Kids will do things they like for a long time. I don't think that's news. Um, if they like a book or they like a movie or a song, as you probably know, they'll listen to it over and over, watch it over and over and over again. I have so many questions, though. Like... <laughs> font size. And, oh, interesting. Know, like, Are we really talking kid. word counts? Yeah, you want yeah. you want a, you want a word count. I want a word count. Yeah. I don't want page numbers cuz that's so you're thinking maybe there's some sort of bloat here, but why would they do that? Why would they I make don't know, it long? If you to... look at like, you know, you pick up an old copy of something published in the 70s, I feel like the like the spaces between the sentences are smaller. Even for middle grade books? Stuff, but... Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to think cuz what did I I remember reading. I I read all the Beverly Cleary and uh Books, the Ramona Quimby books. I loved them as a kid, and those are solidly middle grade. I think. My memory is that as I moved to older books, I do remember the type being smaller and closer together. But you could be right that now this now we're going to have fighting. Might be making this up. Competitive anecdata here is (laughs) that's the yeah yeah. So anyway, it'd be (laughs) interesting. Like maybe if you have any. Ramona Quimby books from 1984 hanging around, because that's what I want to read it. That's what I'm asking for very specific feedback from our readership. Um, you know, I'd like to know. But so you're saying maybe there's a mitigating factor of making the font bigger and more space and more margins and more illustrations, maybe? If, if Even if so, obviously this is real. Yeah, like, right. But maybe it's a little bit because you, of may, that. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know that we can account for all of it by going from no, Times actually. New Roman 12 to Times New Roman 14. But, <laughs> 13.2. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the old, uh, the old uh, term paper trick. Uh, what if I just... This 20-page paper is automatic. I'm done if I just make the margins 1.4 inches rather than 1.1. <laughs> 1. 1. Um Okay. Yeah. Really interesting stuff here. And they, I, I should say they went through, um, 2,500 titles. So this is not a small sample size. Um, so if you're wondering about that, uh, now we get to get into more, um, particular news. Uh, this is one I'm just particularly interested in. Um, I'm not sure it's a big book story, but Dead Poet Society is going to be a, a state. There's gonna be a stage adaptation of Dead Poet Society being an off-Broadway theater, um, I'm here for Dead Poet Society mm-hmm. always. I watch it every fall um, with all of its warts and problems. I know them all very well. My fave is problematic, I know. Um, but the other interesting thing here is that Tom Schulman, who wrote the screenplay to the movie, is doing the adaptation of the, the play. 
So whatever bona fides you're looking for, this certainly has it. Boy, boy, it'd be hard. Who are you going to cast for Keating? That's the first thing that came to my mind after. It was like, oh, this will be interesting. My second was, boy, what a casting problem. Yeah. That is. Especially now. Especially now. Yeah. Are we just going to cry like when he comes on stage? Like just, oh, it's like a Robin Williams sort of, I don't know, tribute moment. Maybe, maybe not. Or maybe you go a different direction. A little less manic energy, a little more Sherlock Holmesian, quiet um, narcissism. I'm not sure how you feel here. <laughs> um. Are, do you, are you interested? I don't. Are you? You're a dead dead poets person. Yeah. No? Yeah. Totally. Okay. I would. I would go. You'd go. This. You'd go. Maybe we'll go because it's it's opening in October, and as long as it's not a flop, it'll probably be open when Book Riot Live is um, in full effect. Absolutely, Book Riot Live field trip. Yeah, yeah. Book Riot Live, which is November eighth and ninth. Oh boy, I'm now forgetting which date is on my calendar. It's in it's in early November. Book Riot Live. If you're not. Um, uh, up on when exactly it's going to be Book Riot Live. We've talked about it on the show before. Also, just 12th and 13th. 12th and 13th, yeah. Also, if you are interested in Book Riot Live and if you're anxious about Book Riot Live tickets and getting one, make sure you get one. They are going on sale March 28th. Um, so you can keep uh, keep put that on your calendar. BookRiotLive.com, March 28th, they're going to go on sale. Um, yeah, so um, this it looks like this particular company does a lot of revivals and adaptations. They're also doing... Um, uh, a revival of The Forest the Liar. They're doing a revival of Pacific Overtures, which is an old Stephen Sondheim musical. Um, and, you know, when I was thinking about this, like, of course, it, this it could easily be a play. Like, there's two sets. There's the classroom, and then there's the school. And mm-hmm. maybe the cave, I guess. Yeah. And I guess you've got that the other... stage? Yeah, the stage. Well, that's hard, right? Yeah. To do a stage in a theater, that's, that's a trick. On a stage? Um, and then I guess you've got that public high school that he goes, you know, he goes and reads the totally awkward poem to Chris. You've got uh, the party, the house. the house party, yeah, um, with the, the most disturbing band. moment in the whole movie. Um, yeah, but you can easily see how it will be done. Um, That's not complicated. <laughs> it's not complicated. Yeah, I, I was trying to think um, <clears throat> other other bookish movies that would be a good play. Anything come to mind? Oh, uh, I was thinking you've got mail could easily be a play. Right? Yeah, I mean it's well, not as interesting as this, but it could be a play. Yeah, exactly. I mean it could be if you wanted it to yeah, be. Yeah, I yeah. I don't think there's anyone like holding candles for you've got mail out there, but I'm just saying that's one that comes to mind. I watch you've got mail every year, and I hate it so much. I hate love it. Oh, you do? I kind of do. What do you hate love about it? I hate how it's. Just so full of crap. Like, <laughs> you hate every, that it's terrible? That, yeah, I hate that it's a terrible lie about what it is to work in a bookstore. Oh, yes. A bookstore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, yeah. Just a, it's just such a lie, but everything else about it is great. I mean, So what do you like about it then? Because I'm not sure what I – I've done a live blog about it for the site a long time ago. Maybe, And I've done a live blog of Dead Poets Society, frankly. Well, um, it's a lie that everybody loves, right? The myth of yes. the quirky book on, bookstore on the corner. I have worked in a quirky bookstore yes. on the corner, and I know how much that is crap. But <laughs> it's, still, it's still a lie that – you know, people like because it's mm-hmm. warm fuzzy. Yeah. It's a lie that Meg Ryan can afford that townhouse on the Upper West Side on her salary. From, Thank you. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh-huh. I did, well, I just... And the other, the other thing is how much about that movie is, are, is about inheritance. Like Tom Hanks inherits the, sto- the company from his mm-hmm. parent and grandfather and Meg Ryan inherits her townhouse and um, bookstore from her mom. And grandmother, um, how one of the women who works in the bookstore can do so only because she invested in Intel at six. Like there's all yes. these like there's all these sort of things about white privilege going on there that are just kind of remarkable. 
frankly. Like you could totally successfully run a children's bookstore if you're independently wealthy. Yeah, yeah, right. It's so easy if you're independently wealthy and you don't have to worry about rent and uh, <laughs> how the, the guy who works for the New York Observer lives with her and that's how he can write his column about being sort of against capitalism. It's so great. I mean, so much of that is great. <laughs> um, I love Hanks in that movie. One of my favorite Hanks role because he's a kind of a jerk. And there was a, there's a famous thing. I think it was after Joe versus the volcano. He said to his agent, um, "I just I don't want to play wusses anymore." or Something like that. Like he wants to look because those like with Big and with Joe versus the volcano and Turner and Hooch and some of his early rows. He's sort of this kind of a floppity, spineless, wet lettuce kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's an interesting way to think about Hanks after this, you know, look at Hanks' roles now. He always wants to play something with a little bit of an edge because he can fall. He's so kind of likable. You can see how he falls into that trap. He's he, America's dad. Yeah, but he's yeah. not really. I don't think he really is here because he's got more of an edge than when we think of like America's dad. Oh, yeah, no, not in this movie. Yeah, Just yeah. In oh, he could America. play dads forever. Like <laughs> I think that's what he was afraid of, sort of getting, getting pigeonholed as. Um, and now some of the other great sort of bookish movies are uh, escaping me. Um, hmm. I don't even, yeah. I've done this. I've done this game for the site before. You have. Movie set in bookstores. bookstores and, and libraries. And libraries, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and now I just can't. I mean, Beauty and the Beast, that's Beauty all the, right. Well, one of the, the, the most famous movies set in the library is Breakfast Club. Um, that yes. could easily be a play. There's one set. Easily be yeah. a play. In fact, I'm surprised that maybe... That would be a man. High school students would love... Oh, yeah. High I'm sure theme. that that must have been a play already. Big giant theater nerd Amanda would have loved <laughs> to be in the breakfast Wait, club. did I know you were a theater nerd? Did I know I that? don't know. I don't talk about it much. But... You don't? Do you need to, do you need to uh, ex, uh, you know, confess? No, I no. loved it. I was a total... Oh, of course I was a total Were you theater. in theater or you went to theater? I was in theater. You was in theater. What was your big part? What was your biggest part as a theater nerd? Oh, I was usually... Um, Behind the scenes, so oh, like I okay. stage managed. I see. Right. I was I assistant directed. That makes sense. You oh, managing sorry. edited it basically. I did. I managing edited it. Plays. Yeah, that's funny. Okay, I better do another sponsor here. We're getting getting, getting away from ourselves. Harry's is back. Um, so he, here's what Harry's is, right? I, every day, I look in the mirror, and every day there's lots of things I don't like. And there's hairs in place I want it to be and not hair place where I, I do want it to be. And getting the hair off the place you want it to be is a pain in the butt. And for a couple of reasons. One is like basically you've got a blade and you're basically like controlled cutting yourself when you're shaving. Like have you ever thought how weird that is that you just sort of like you take a knife and just run it over your skin as carefully as you can. It's very strange. But the other thing about it is that razor blades are horribly expensive and they're ugly and they're hard to use and they're terrible. And basically what Harry's realized is it doesn't have to be like this. We don't have to live this way. Um, so I use Harry's now. But here, here's the best things. Here's the best thing about it. One is you don't have to go buy it. You get it online. You buy basically a recurring subscription. So it comes. You figure out kind of how often you use it. You can sign up for different packages, you know, how many blades you need over what interval of time. And they're the best quality blades you can really buy for a disposable blade. Um, you know, you, if you're going in to get your, your face shaved with like a leather strap and one of those old blades, this isn't for you, but also neither is the 21st century, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get it. It comes. You don't have to worry about shopping there. You have to go to the pharmacy and ask the teenager with like the key on the thing to go get the, the, the blades that are behind the thing so people don't steal them. And you know why they have to have those things there for people don't steal them? Because people want to steal them because they're horribly expensive. So all, That's real. And so for Harry's, you get 
as, as good of a blade as you're going to get from like the higher end blade you're going to find at the pharmacy or your grocery store for about half the price. Harry's bought a huge blade making factory in Germany. And I don't know why, but something about a blade making factory in Germany makes me want to buy blades from them. You get a close, <laughs> comfortable shave, no cuts or burbs. That Quality. makes me want to buy a blade making factory in Germany. Yeah, yeah. Basically, if you can buy a German factory to make something, do it. Yeah. Because Germans know how to make things. Quality guaranteed. You can get a full refund if you're not happy. Happy. So that one reason they can they can charge these prices. They're factory direct, right? They they own the factory, no middleman, um, and they ship it right to your door. They don't have to they don't have to cut share a cut with a pharmacy or even Costco or Amazon thing like that. There, you're buying directly from Harry's, who are making the blades themselves. And also, you know, they don't have these huge overhead on marketing and giant corporations and part, being part of these large international conglomerates. They don't have those, all this overhead where if they raise their margins, they're not a publicly traded company, so they have to squeeze you. They can charge it at a fair price, still make some money for them, and keep some money in your pocket. Over a million people have already made the switch. Thousands more switch every day. Um, go to harrys.com, and you can enter code BOOK at checkout, and you can get $5 off your first order. I, I think I think you're probably going to like it if you try it. I mean, honestly, I, I'm um, Michelle and I were on the Harry's bandwagon. The starter set um, is fifteen bucks. Uh, you get a razor, moisturizing shave cream, and three blades to try it out. So that's your starter set. Don't like it? You get a full re- full uh, full uh, full refund. So that's Harry's. Thanks to them for sponsoring the show, uh, making your hygiene world better, blade by blade. They, they didn't tell me to say that. They can have that one for free. They can, they can take that one. Okay. Uh, we only got a couple stories left. Oh, I guess this is, um, this is also New Books News. Yes. I have to say... Uh, this is very exciting. It's hard for me to think of a... Well, before we get to this, if you could pick... If you could, if you could um, rub the genie lamp and there was a new book by a living author announced tomorrow, who do you pick? Ah, you don't have to pick one. Just give me a handful of ideas. A new book by a living author. Okay. All right. Oh, I hate this game. Oh, okay, great. I love it when people, when Rebecca and you hate the games I make up on the spot. (laughs) Because you put me, I'm not (laughs) great with the people who are still alive. Oh, right. Yeah. Your old blog, Dead White Guys, sort of makes you, (laughs) makes you congenially (laughs) um, difficult to play. But you read new, I mean, come on, Nelson. I do Pulitzer. Oh, okay, good. That'd Who's uh, the interestings and uh, yes. right? Yeah, cool. Yes, love her. Um, Eugenides, I'm mm. always here for. Oh, you know, I don't think I knew that. I love Jeffrey Eugenides. There, the marriage plot was what I, it had some mm-hmm. problems, but right. the man can virgin write, suicides, he, middle sex. You like? I like amazing. middle sex. And yeah. you take every one every ten years. Like it takes yeah. him forever in a day to right. finally get around to mm-hmm. making a book. Um, you know, I think, I don't know. Is Zadie on the list? There's a new Zadie oh. Smith novel coming out this fall. No? Well, I wasn't going to say Zadie Smith because... Okay, okay, yeah. Well, that's, well, that's why I was, I was giving you a... Uh, I, was, I was trying to help you out there. Okay, but I didn't want to give it oh, away. Okay. But <laughs> would she be on a list, you know, a short list of five to ten authors, a new Zadie Smith novel? Yes, of course. I yes. think for me, too. I think for me, too. My other authors... Actually, another one of my authors has another book coming out. Um, has a book coming out in the fall. Colson White has a new Andy novel. Drew. Oh, okay. I was going to um, guess Andy Drew. Who? Annie, what am I saying? Oh, am I Prue, saying? Yeah, she, yeah, who also has a huge new book coming out that's getting great yes. reviews, Barkskins, um, coming out this summer. Yeah, Colson Whitehead, Zadie Smith, um, Juno Diaz is on my list. Of course, Melon Robinson. Uh, of course, Tony. Wait, Colson Whitehead has a new book coming out? Yes. What is it? Is it nonfiction or fiction? Uh, no, it's fiction. I think it's called like the Underground Railroad or something like that. Yes. Um, uh, 
I'm, I'm Googling it right now. Uh, mm. <laughs> mm. You know, I've been waiting. I've been waiting for um, Taya Obrecht to write another book. Oh, you- yeah. The Tiger's Wife. That came out Tiger's a few years. Wife. Yeah. Was a, that book was one of the first ones that I read when I started coming out of I Only Read Dead People. Mm-hmm. It was one of the first books I read by a living author three or five years ago. And I've been like waiting for also Aaron Morgenstern. Ah, the Night Circus, yes. The rumor is, I follow her on Twitter, and last fall she was wrapping up a manuscript. At least she was saying she did. Um, So the Underground Railroad, Colson Whitehouse, comes out um, sometime this fall. Here's the description. Uh, Cora is a slave on a cotton plantation in Georgia. Life is hellish for all slaves, but Cora is an outcast even among her fellow Africans, and she's coming into womanhood, and even greater pain awaits. Caesar, a recent arrival from Virginia, tells her of the Underground Railroad, and they plot their escape. Whoa. I am here for that. He's writing historical fiction. I know. It's so, yeah, well, did you ever read John Henry Days? Did uh-uh. you read that one? Part of it is historical fiction. Like, it goes back and forth between the past and present. The, to me, the most interesting and messy, I like an interesting mess. Um, yeah. And that one is a super interesting mess. I think kind of all of his books are In my head, Coulson is so, like, edgy and modern. Yes. And, you know. Yeah, it should have, like, technology and, like, yeah. representation and stuff. It should be, it should be stuff. like, yeah. China Mayville kind of, <laughs> right, to right. it, which is not really yeah. not the same at all. Um, one thing I like about Whitehead is really book to book, you don't know what to expect. Um, they're, they're so different. And, and Zadie Smith, we got onto Whitehead because we were talking about Zadie Smith and who we're looking forward to. Zadie Smith is also one where you kind of don't know what to expect. You expect it just to be interesting and unexpected, which is kind of a cheat to say. Um, hers is, let's see, da, 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 swing time. Um, it's described as a story about friendship and music and stubborn roots moving between Northwest London and West Africa. Man, that sounds interesting. Very good. It's about two brown girls who yeah. dream of becoming dancers, but only one is talented. Oh, no. Oh, I'm, I'm, it's painful already. Right in the heart. The other has ideas about rhythm and time, about black bodies and black music, what constitutes a tribe or makes a person truly hmm. free. Oh, I'm yay. So, the so, book's all the girls' close but complicated friendship that ends abruptly in their 20s. Okay. <laughs> wow, interesting. So one's got the ideas and one's got the chops. It sounds kind of like the, the way You know she's... what this sounds like? It sounds like... Um, the Ferrante novels. Oh, which I haven't read. Yeah, but this that's summer. it's kind of the same thing. One of them is very smart, um, and one of them is kind of just mm. you know getting by the, by the skin of her teeth and the power of her will, sort of thing. Wow, interesting. I wonder. It doesn't say if it's if it's contemporary. Swing time makes me think it might be set in sort of the early twentieth or mid twentieth century, but maybe not. Maybe not. Um, anyway, I I'm looking forward to those. A, like a a brown person's answer to the. Ferrante novels. That would oh, be, yeah, for real. That would be amazing. Super interesting. Um, frankly, let's see. Uh, I, yeah, I think those, if I have to pick four or five, I'm doing Marilyn Robinson and Zadie and Colson, Colson Whitehead and uh, Annie Prue um, and Diaz. I think those are my five. Those are my five, for, for fiction at least. For nonfiction, I'm not sure. Um, I always want more Bill Bryson, I guess. Oh, yeah. There's I actually a, haven't read the new one. The Little Dribbling. Well, we ta- you and I talked about this off online but non-publicly how you're the new one the road to little dribbling is bill bryson's new one mm-hmm. um I, he made his name really doing travel books and his travel books are my least favorite the tra- i don't know why I, I don't know yeah i like his uh grumpy histories yeah i like the grumpy more. histories too there's only so much like how weird this little town is i can take like i can yeah mary roach is a oh, one for me yes jasmine ward Jasmine Ward. Yeah, I guess I guess with Ward there's only two. So I'm not she's not quite there for 
Well, with Diaz, there's only really two. No, there's three. Drown. Drown. That's how you lose her and uh, Oscar Oh, Wilde. I forgot. Drown existed. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I, you know, if you guys want to email us, what, you know, who are your five authors that are alive? Your auto buys. Your auto, your auto buys. Yeah. Well, these aren't even necessarily auto buys. This is even more than an auto buy. Like you, you, you get to manifest through sheer force of will <laughs> uh, a book by one of these new authors. J.K. Rowling. Oh, well, you get those. No, you just, no. But, you, but you want to be more specific than that is what you're saying. Uh, yeah, I want another Harry Potter. You want one of these 900-page middle-grade fantasy novels that are I all do. the rage. Yeah. That are making it hard for middle schoolers to read or whatever. Well, that's why open ebooks is a thing because then it's, you don't have to hold them. There you go. You just have them on your tablet there. I guess that's our show. That's yep. our show. Uh, as always, <laughs> we are you can down f- a rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are definitely down a rabbit hole. Speaking of down a rabbit hole, thank you so much for Audible and uh, The Adventures of Alice in Wonderland oh, by Scarlett Johansson <laughs> for sponsoring the show. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash bookriot to get your free trial. <clears throat> Thanks to Harry's. Harry's.com. Um, use offer code BOOK to get $5 off your first buy. Um, Thanks for much them for their continued sponsorship of the show. Thank you, Amanda, to being on the show. You're going to be here for a while. Yeah, you get to, you get a warm. You get to keep you get to. It's not just keeping the seat warm. You're uh, molding it to yourself, really. I'm going to sit in it for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> going to be an Amanda shaped indentation. Rebecca gets back. <laughs> it's a very small. <laughs> um, we'll be here back next week with more book nudes. Uh, nudes book nudes. That's a different show. Um, <laughs> you can find. Uh, We've got oh you know I should mention this we've got a new format for book, for podcast posts the the built in player is way better than it used to be go to bookriot.com slash listen and you can see the show notes for this and the other shows you can easy to browse uh, find them there but if you haven't checked out the new site especially on mobile it makes it really easy if you don't have if you listen you know typically um, in the post and not through a podcast catcher uh, that's that's a that's an update. Um, for you to check out. You can follow Amanda on Twitter. She's at I'm Amanda Nelson. I'm at the Jeff O'Neill, O-N-E-A-L. Um, and we'll talk to you next week. All right. <laughs>